Welcome to Naming It, where we discuss pop culture, current events, and how they relate to the way that we live our lives, all through the lens of two black psychologists. Naming It is dedicated to acknowledging the elephant in the room, validating the lived experience of people of color. Coming to you from the Bay Area, California, we thank you for joining us. I'm Dr. Bedford Palmer. And I'm Dr. Lamisha Hill. Music on Naming It is provided by Lee England Jr., the soul violinist. All right, all right. Good morning, evening, afternoon. Yep. Welcome to Naming It. Welcome to Naming It. Even Episode though you, number 19. Even though you kind of st- said that different than normal, but you know, what's the all right? You're just going all rights and stuff, you know? Like hey. Uniformity, homie. I thought that I had the freedom of got, artistic expression just trying to, show to do the introduction. Here. How I want to <laughs> do the introduction. I don't know. What's that again? Who we got? You're showing you, you know, we got, we got company. <laughs> we got company. That's exactly right. <laughs> Today on Naming It, we are joined by two of our wonderful wonderful, wonderful friends, colleagues, and awesome, awesome individuals. Dr. Diana Pena in the building and future doctor? Future doctor. Future doctor, Herman Cadenas. What, 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 what? Yeah, yeah. Like that future doctor. How, how much time you got? You know, counting down. Uh, <laughs> July of next year. July, July of next 2017. year. 2017. That's what's up. Hello. Get them freedom papers. Know. Thanks mm. for having us. Absolutely. So we'll yeah. give you your formal introduction right now, yeah. and then we'll jump into the show. All right. So Dr. Right. Diana Pena, who uses she, her, and hers pronouns, graduated as a first-generation college student from Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles, California which is where she was born and raised in Southgate. Whoop, whoop, Southgate. She then received her master's in science in counseling and family human services and her PhD in counseling psychology from the University of Oregon. Go Ducks! There it is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that pregnant pause. <laughs> her professional interests include immigrant and undocumented student mental health, LGBTQ affirming therapy, resilience in queer and trans people of color, spirituality, grief and loss, mindfulness, and cultural adjustment. Her passion for serving underrepresented students is rooted in her own experience as a queer Chicanx woman X from an immigrant family and integral to her approach in mental health in the professional world. Yeah. All right. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So excited to be here. Did I get all that right? Uh, Yeah. Good enough. Okay. <laughs> all right. You know, any, any corrections? Fairly, 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 all right. Fairly, Speak there's now. some off there. Uh, I don't know. Uh, all right. right. No, it was see. great. It was great. And for our next guest, uh, Herman Cadenas. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? You did. Okay. You did. You're one of the few. Who I wanted to right make sure. I, was, I forgot to actually ask before we got going. And so I'm like, hi. I do it right. All right. So Herman immigrated from Venezuela when he was 15 years old during the general strike of 2002 against the authoritarian government. He became undocumented in Arizona, which later became ground zero for anti-immigrant policies. In the wake of legislation targeting Latinos, such as Prop 300 and SB 1070, Herman became a founding member of the Arizona Dream Act Coalition and was involved in sparking the resistance against the racial profiling of undocumented immigrants. 
Herman was part of the movement that brought the Federal Dream Act to a vote in Congress in 2010. After that, he started a PhD in counseling psychology at Arizona State University and was the first undocumented student to start that program and one of the first to attend graduate school in Arizona. Way to be a trailblazer. (laughs) He was the 2014-2015 president of the ASU graduate student body, where he represented over 16,000 graduate students and worked with the Arizona Board of Regents to grant in-state tuition to DACA students in Arizona. Herman is now a U.S. citizen and currently a doctoral psychology intern at UC Berkeley. Go Bears! Yeah, go Bears. <laughs> I'm like, all right, all right. <laughs> His academic and research focuses. Wait, on- hold what? Oh, okay. Go ahead. Sorry, you're not done with. The- I'll talk about you after this. <laughs> you want to? You this this, this please. I, I got a little bit more. Herman, you know, Herman is super super talented. in the man's stuff. I just- you know the timely. Uh-huh. You know, root for your team, pause. You, I wasn't even looking you know. at you. You were like, had your ear to the, my back. Oh, I'm so, okay, I'm okay, okay. You want me to roll it back? No, no. I want everyone to hear this. Okay. <laughs> All right. So just a little bit more about Herman, if, if I may. Herman, his academic and research focus on the psychology of undocumented students, activism, and college persistence on allied development. And is that going to be your dissertation? Uh, that is my dissertation. Oh, yes. okay. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah, defended. A doctoral intern. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he defended before internship. Oh, yes. Oh, wow. Oh. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. so you're just finishing up them hours. Oh, yes. And just cranking them up. <laughs> that's, not... that's so liberating. Like, mm. I, mm. I wish. So, you, so you're oh, AB8 yeah. or ABI. That's right. That's yeah. right. All but internship. ABHI. All but half of internship. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. scout, right. scout. okay. Add that one to it. All right. Looking forward. All right. So, uh, our, yeah. Um, stop looking at me. Why are you looking at me like You this? told me I have my ear to you. Now I'm looking at you. Don't I was going to let it go. I was going to let it go. It's just that we were, right. you threw out the right. go beat or the go, uh, the, you know, I've been to a lot of universities. So, like, you know, you got to give me a. Uh, some sort of high sign that the the go bears is coming up or the go let's go. I'm a go bear. I'm a go beach. I'm a go dogs. I'm a go eaters. I'm just now I'm go gales. I'm just saying it's it's it's, it's a lot to a lot of going places. <laughs> a lot of going. It, 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 is there a hand gesture for go go bears? No, I don't, I don't think know. so. At ASU we have the pitchfork, which is oh. a sun devil sign. So if you throw it up, you know, oh. go devils. Oh. Go we do one. throw up some O's. Oh, uh, whatever. Oh. Throw up Danny either right there. Okay, uh, we can be at war about uh, these our college alliances forever, <laughs> but we're gonna get into some shout outs. That's cool. Mine's the best. Um, so the shout outs. No, I'm talking about my my university. Oh. Uh, go UC Irvine. All right. So uh, had some shout outs. Uh, I want to shout out to Podbean.com. Uh, podbean.com is the place where we house our actual podcast. This is not a commercial for them because they ain't paying us for it, but I wanted to like quickly shout them out because they're pretty awesome. They, uh, uh, you know, they, they, they're a real good place to put 
your podcast. They uh, have reasonable prices. Uh, you can very directly talk to their support staff. Um, and what they've done uh, this last week is they actually featured us um, as one of the featured podcasts on their front page. They've been sending out social media about us all week, every day on Twitter. They send out a, 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 a featured um, piece about us. Uh, they do it on Facebook as well. And we've got on, on Podbean, separate from everything else, over a hundred new followers over the, the this past week, and awesome. so that's it a snaps you right. You know, it's yeah. it's kind of cool. Um, and we uh, a couple of them actually left us some messages, uh, some comments, and so I just wanted to shout them out in case they're continuing to listen after the first listen. Uh, so, E. E. Andrews, thank you for commenting. Uh, Mog Princess M O O G underscore Princess, thank you very much for commenting. Let us know. Lady Among Dreams had a long comment. We're going to, you know, I don't know if we're going to change our format that much, but we're listening and uh, we appreciate it. And you can keep telling us uh, what you think. And we appreciate your your kind words, too. So that was, that's a uh, what's up? I was going to say thank y'all. Yeah, thank y'all. Like, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, if you want to go and, and leave some stuff on iTunes, too, that helps. All right. Cool. So. So yesterday I got to spend the afternoon and all day, which was a beautiful day to be indoors with a crew of awesome people from You Had Me at Black. And they did a photo shoot campaign for all their marketing stuff. So it was just real, real unapologetically black and fun. And I had a great time. So looking forward to to the work that they do. And also want to give a shout out to Dr. Harriet Richard. Uh, who got at us on Twitter looking for her button. Harriet, it's in the mail. It's coming. Okay, okay. I would have liked to have uh, been at a photo shoot with uh, fancy people and, and, and colleagues from <laughs> other podcasts. You know, I, just, I'm sorry. I didn't. Just didn't. She just left me. Didn't. You know what I was doing? I got a text saying, look at this photo shoot. It looks all pretty and stuff. You know what I'm doing at the time? I'm looking at uh, Netflix. Yeah, yeah. I, I could have been out. I could have been. I could have been hanging. And, and Lamisha had this nice, like, got this, like, she looked all fancy and stuff. Had the nice get up going, all black, like all the rest of them and stuff. Mm-hmm. I got black clothes too. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. Apparently, black PJs. I got a black. You're shaming me, dragging me, making me feel all left out and stuff. I'm just saying. You know what it is? It's the millennials. It's the millennials. Sorry. Because I brought it up before. I'm not a millennial. Mm. So I don't get invited to stuff. So mm. so I didn't know where the backyard cool. was either. That's cool. You know. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, friend. To our guests, uh, y'all have any shout outs? <laughs> want to say hey to anybody? I'll, I'll do a quick shout out to my family down in L.A. Just want to say hello and looking forward to seeing y'all and especially my abuelita Socorro's in town. Uh, we don't always have the honor of having her stay with us so or in L.A. or in California. So I'm very excited to see family nice. this holiday season. Yeah. I'll do a, a shout out to my partner, Ariel, who's here in Berkeley with me and uh, my mom who's in Phoenix, Arizona. Wonderful. All right. All right. Wonderful. So in true psychologist fashion, we always have a check-in. I'm just excited about my check-in. Oh, you're excited about the check-in. Okay, so so for those for our listeners who are not, you know, we always talk about the inside baseball and many scenes in psychology. Whenever you're amongst two or more, typically, you would have a moment to check in. Right, that's just part of like our discipline. For some reason, I don't know where it came from. Why are you going into your psych voice? Because because it's it's now it's time to check in. So. 
I like that there's a little like inherent clowning in that too. It's like it's, it's, it's at least healthy for us to all recognize that there's a thing that we do and we like to process oh, yeah, and yes, talk. That nobody else has. Nobody else. I mean, can I, you know, can other I please take a processing but, moment for a second? <laughs> <laughs> Just talk about what's happening in this room right now. Yeah, we need mm-hmm. a meta, a meta yeah, comment. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's all good. Um, so that was my processing statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, so check. Can I do a check? So I forgot one thing. I'm going to bring a shout out to the check-in. I'm just going to throw that on there. So we have, as I looked as of yesterday, and it might be more, uh, we have listeners in South Africa. We got listeners in um, in England and in France. We have a bunch of listeners apparently in Australia. Wow. And we had one, we had three downloads in Iran. Wow. Yes. Isn't that crazy? Worldwide. Yes. Yeah. Wow. I thought about it when y'all started talking about different places. I was like, wait, we got wow. it. It's, it's, it's a trip. I, I have an aunt in Australia. Yeah? Can, maybe I'll shout out. Can I, can I still shout out? Oh, yeah. My aunt, my aunt Yelly. All right. What up, Aunt Yelly? What up, Aunt Yelly? <laughs> can you like, uh, tell more people in Australia? We yeah. got a little yeah. base down there. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, what else you got? Uh, so let's see. I was, you know, my check-in is that it's the end of the semester. This is the last week of classes uh, here at St. Mary's, and uh, I think that uh, it's just it's just been a really nice semester. And um, you know, like I said, I I really love my students, and they've been like really. Uh, it's been a real real pleasure. Um, another shout out I wanted to talk about was uh, we just had our. Alameda County Psychological Association um, holiday party. Myself and Lamisha are officers on that board, and um, we got to give out some awards. And we gave a a legislator award to uh, Mm -hmm. our our local uh, assembly member, Rob Bonta. Mm -hmm. Um, And we just wanted to shout him out because he's pretty awesome. He does a lot of stuff to help mental health in in this area and help the the people who we serve. Um, And I also wanted to shout out, and invite and kind of pressure a little bit. Rob from uh, Beats, Rhymes, and Life. Uh, it's a really cool program that's uh, in the Bay Area that uses, uh, basically uses hip-hop as a, a gateway into um, reducing stigma for mental health. And mm-hmm. so they, they're a really cool mm-hmm. organization. Y'all should look them up. And hopefully Rob might come on and maybe bring some of the kids on and we could uh we can do some 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 naming it with uh with some beats and some rhymes mm-hmm. and some life. So I'm talking to you, Rob. Come on, bro. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> That's super cool. Uh, this past week, I had a, had an awesome chance to attend a live taping. And I don't know where they get posted, but with W. Kamal Bell, um, he did a recording at the Norse Theater. Um, and it was a post-election talk with him, uh, D. Ray McKesson, Fabiana Rodriguez, who is an artist oh, right. activist. Uh, Migration is beautiful. And I don't know their name, but they are the, the, the current San Francisco uh, head uh, public defender. Um, and so they had a beautiful conversation about just post-election, what's going on in the world, their perspectives, particularly from the different industries and the communities that they support. A lot of conversation on, you know, really a need to unite across all of uh, our current activism efforts Mm -hmm. to create, you know, some unity and allyship across the, the, the different sort of domains that we're all working in, whether it's the movement for black lives, um, immigration change and reform, uh, change for our criminal justice uh, infrastructure and system, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, just just being united in those efforts. So when when are we going to have Kamal and and DeRay on the the podcast? Because I know you went and talked to him and like told him about us and like 
asked him to come on, right? Because I know you did that, right? Bedford, that's a lot of pressure. I, you know, I couldn't get to them like that. You know, they're 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 superstars, and you know, there's security and people and all kinds of stuff. And I'll keep working on it. Yeah, I don't think it was okay. I'll keep working I'm on it. I'm pretty sure that uh, Lamisha Hill could have gotten to the back if she wanted to and like talk to them cats. You're a very professional. You understand how to navigate that stuff. But it's all good. What know, I will you know? do is find. I think I got some friends that know some friends. And I think they might be able to bridge a connection. So. That's, see, that's what I'm talking about. I'll work on it. Okay. I got you. We're going to get them. We're going to get... Yo, we've been trying to get W. Kamal Bell for a minute. I met him a couple times. He's awesome. Come on, man. Come on, show, bro. Come on. <laughs> Just saying. You in the area. Peer we'll come to your house, bro. Anyway. Exactly. Y'all want to check in? <laughs> Plans? What's going on in your life? Anything that you've been a part of lately that you're super excited about? Why am I explaining yeah, yeah, the yeah. check-in to two psychologists? I don't know what a check-in is. <laughs> I heard something about a cat or something like that. Oh, oh yeah. Dang. Uh, I mean, it's it's a little hard to ignore. Y'all can't y'all can't see this out in the listener world, but um, I have a very special relationship with my partner's kitty. Uh, shout out to uh, uh, shout out to Penelope Cruz is her name. Um, <laughs> who you know okay. I I just I appreciate that she holds on to her roots you know what I mean like cats were domesticated and it, it really on some level it's not right right mm-hmm. so you know every once in a while her just sort of feline roots just kind of come out and she's just like what you're close to me scratch and so I've got a nice little line across my face this morning mm-hmm. <laughs> because of that um, they're but, wild animals uh, they yes exactly they are wild animals and we forced them to be indoors and that's that ain't right um, but yeah, other than that, just, you know, looking forward to family time coming up. So that's my check-in. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me, uh, very excited to be finishing my first semester of internship at UC Berkeley. Uh, go mm. Bears. <laughs> See, that, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. <laughs> and uh, looking forward to spending some time in New York. Um, that's where my partner's from. Okay. So we're flying out uh, in nice. a couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah, really, really excited to be in the Bay Area. Uh, cool place to be. All right. All right. So, uh, is it time for what's going on? It yeah. is. Okay. So, go ahead. Y'all do that. What's going on? <laughs> hey. No, we know. What's going on? <laughs> you just click that and use that for the rest of the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I think I want to go back to singing it every now and again. You I did think. sing it on the track. Yeah, but there's something about just doing it, like, live and in real time. But then you're undermining the track. No, I'm just adding. We'd be adding to the track. Okay, if you want to go ahead and sing, then. Sing, girl. Sing. Oh, now we have so much pressure. (laughs) Bumblebee, bumblebee. (laughs) So what's going on? You're not going to sing? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Does anybody else want to get in on it? No, I can't hear what's going on. There it is. Okay. See? All right. Good for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Bedford, what is going on? What is going um, on? A lot of stuff is going on, but I don't know. I, You know, um, so one thing I wanted to, I wanted to bring up. Okay. So, there, there's this thing that's happening right now. Uh, if you're on Facebook and you're you have the right algorithm to show that you're interested in, like, the movement for black lives and stuff like that. Um, you're probably getting inundated with these photos, uh, these advertisements for these T-shirts, you know, and they have various slogans on them. Um, 
So the shirts might say something like uh, they'll they'll be quoting Rosa Parks and they'll say nah, you know, or it'll quote uh, Malcolm X and it'll say by any means necessary, or they'll try to be even more clever and just come up with like ways to like play with words. And one of the the um, the shirts that came out, you know, it was a couple of weeks ago. Um, it was talking about. Uh, I'm not like it's I'm paraphrasing. It says something to the extent of I'm not like my my uh my grandparents. Um you know, you can get these hands and basically it's alluding to the fact that I won't be a nonviolent resistor. Um but it also kind of implies that uh, a certain level of weakness and like a certain level mm-hmm. of uh you know, it's it's really disrespectful to mm-hmm. to the struggle that people went through in the past. Uh-huh. And so yeah. mm-hmm. from an African centered space, it's not really it's not what we were about. You, uh-huh. you got to respect ancestors, you know, and you got to respect yeah. what they went through. And like real talk, I'm just going to put it out mm-hmm. there. All y'all people running around with that shirt on your chest talking about I'm going to put hands. What hands are you really going to put? Mm-hmm. I'm just being real. Mm-hmm. Like when the police come, you ain't putting no hands. You put you're going to do mm-hmm. just like everybody else and be careful. Mm-hmm. Whereas our ancestors, whether they put hands or not, mm-hmm. were being killed and being lynched and being hit with water hoses and stuff like that. So, you know, you can put you can go hold hands around a lake if you want to, but don't try to compare it to what what's happening in the past. I mean, unless you do it respectfully. You know, it, it fits right now, but we don't need to be, you know, I, I feel a little way about that. It won't be a rant. It won't be a rant. You're on a rant because you were talking about some T-shirts. Well, I am talking about some T-shirts. And here's the thing that bugs me the most about it, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a researcher. I like to, like, figure things out. Uh-huh. Right? So I looked on, I was looking online, I was trying to figure out, well, who's putting these t-shirts out? And I start to find out, as I look deeper into it, is that I don't think that they're black people who are putting most of these t-shirts out. Hmm. So they're coming with these lack of consciousness t-shirts, and they're coming from sources where you can't source them. You can't figure out what they are. So people are spending all these, you know, quote unquote, woke folks are buying these shirts and like... You might be paying into the Republican National Committee for all you know, you know, and they're <laughs> mm-hmm. saying like stuff that's whack. Mm-hmm. That is crony capitalism. Crony capitalism. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, it so, is. So um, one good example, and I'll shut up after that around this um, or, you know, we can talk a little bit about it, is one example that I found that was pretty egregious is um, there's one if you find it says cool T-shirt for you that's on Facebook. It'll be it's like a group or a page or whatever. They have a photo right now of a woman with an afro, and it looks very like millennial Afrocentric, right? Uh, and it has a bunch of stuff about Afrocentric T-shirts that are current. But if you scroll down on their page to June fourth, you will find a picture of a white woman who is wearing a shirt that says "Push my buttons." It has a, it has a, it has a keyboard over her her breast area and it has a, a it looks like a man's hands pushing the keyboards over her breast. So I mean mm-hmm. this is the most non-conscious looking t-shirt mm-hmm. advertisement you'll ever see, but you know, they've washed themselves black, put on or they put on blackface and now they're trying to sell black t-shirts. If you want one that you know is coming from a source that's actually like about something, possibly hopefully, go to BAM, B A M N by any means necessary at Unity BAM. Um, that one at least has a, a trail where you can see that there's a black guy who owns it. And they're, when I looked at their t-shirts, they're pretty much there. There's nothing derogatory on them. Uh, so you can, if you're going to spend your money, please spend it wisely. And like, don't disbelieve any hype and don't just click on any bait. Uh, you know, something like our uh, president elect 
is doing, you know? Don't be like him. But I think, Bedford, you make a great point that essentially that when when anything is becoming somewhat popular, that folks, particularly whether it's marketing, you know, will jump on that. And, you know, whether or not you want a Water is Life t-shirt or Black Lives Matter t-shirt, just be mindful of where you're getting it from. Right. That's right. And I don't know. I, I I've also sort of thought about this as well, and challenged myself to think about if I'm gonna if I'm gonna buy a Waters Life T-shirt, I want to make sure that I'm not just wearing something that'll remind me of you know something that I'm aware of and that might even get me some props here and there, but you know that I'm I'm also matching my actions mm-hmm. to meet that as well, and that I've actually done something, and I've called a representative, that I've engaged in and used mm-hmm. whatever platform or privilege I have to kind of bring attention and advocacy to the actual issue yeah um mm-hmm. so i think it's more than just liking things on facebook and you know wearing cool t-shirts mm-hmm. um, and i think that you know something like wearing a t-shirt or displaying a sticker um it's an invitation to have a conversation right yeah and and i think that it's valuable for us to go to places where where we may not encounter people who think the way we think mm. and have those conversations with them right and um yeah, so a challenge for you all who are, who are listening to, yeah, wear your shirts, wear your stickers, but mm-hmm. go go somewhere where, uh, you know, maybe somebody who uh, who uh, doesn't think like you might engage you and, and, and you might, you know, kind of share why you're wearing that T-shirt and why mm-hmm. you're supporting these causes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all are all over the ally action continuum. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, too, like, you know, make sure that you know what's on the front or the back of that shirt, because mm-hmm. if you have mm-hmm. some nonsense on there, someone might come and challenge you on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will. Right. Mm-hmm. Straight up. Anyway. Uh, what else is going on? I don't know. What else is going on? I, I We want to also take the time, uh, given that we are rooted in the Bay Area, just to acknowledge the impact and... Um, the sense of grief and um, sympathy in our, our, our hearts go out to the victims and the families in the Oakland fire uh, yeah. that occurred yeah. last weekend. Um, yeah. Just how devastating and impactful that was. Yeah, it was horrible, right? I mean, it is horrible. Yeah. Um, and there's still, you know, there's so much that can be talked about around it because it, it hits a lot of different um, themes that connect to what's happening in the Bay Area in terms of people being displaced and uh, people being evicted and like whether codes are being followed and mm-hmm. whether things are being enforced around safety. Um, it's a, it's, it's really, it's really a sad thing and it, it, it's scary. I mean, um, I don't know if you, you all had to do this, but I, I felt compelled after about half a day with all the uncertainty to go ahead and check in on Facebook that I was safe, you know, mm-hmm. and I've never had to do that. But so many people passed. So many people died in that fire. It's uh, it's pretty horrible. Yeah, I did. I did the same. I didn't. I didn't realize it was a thing on Facebook, and then saw that some people actually were wondering. And there yeah. was this function where other people could actually ask if they knew somebody lived in a particular area, and it it increased my awareness uh, that much more of how the just the the large reach that it had, and how many people it affected and impacted. Yeah. So, definitely a tragedy. Yeah. So. Um, it's hard to transition from that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, I think it's something that as clinicians um, and as psychologists here in, in this area, uh, it's, you know, it affects who, you know, affects clients, it affects students, it affects the organizations that we're working with. Um, and 
there's a lot of ways that you can get involved, whether you're going to go try to volunteer with the Red Cross or if you're going to um, go to the various community centers and community spaces to, like, you know, set up uh, systems and, and work with folks or just, like, engage with those systems. Um, whether you're going to go and leave flowers at the site, you know, and just sit with people and be present when someone's there and having whatever experience they're having there. Um, and just being able to speak responsibly about it and, and, and be careful about like, you know, th- throwing blame and throwing, mm. throwing, uh, throwing stuff at, uh, out there when we don't know everything that's going on quite yet. So it's, 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 a uh, it's, it's a hard thing. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, speaking of throwing, I'm going to change the subject. <laughs> okay. We want to throw a little shade. Mm towards a little certain somebody and I still don't want to say their name like I know it's naming it we're supposed to be naming things I just have a hard time saying president followed by mm-hmm. an additional he's, one two three four five letters like I just can't say it he's not he's not Voldemort he's not gonna manifest <laughs> he should not be named the dude is like <laughs> he's an old stinky irritating loudmouth who won the presidency but like you know to be absolutely honest he's more alike to all of our presidents besides Barack Obama than like anybody else who was on the ticket so I don't know what to tell you I'm I'm not surprised mm. at all mm. I'm just I'm just saying like Sigh. wait he's a rich older white guy who's intolerant and mean and mm. who mm. does really bad stuff to people mm. huh Am I talking about Trump or am I talking about other folks? Like, mm. We talk about Nixon, you know. We could be talking. I mean, we could be talking That's about true. the good. We could talk about Reagan. We could talk yeah. about. I mean, I don't know. I mean, some of the stuff we could talk about Kennedy. You know, they're they're power people in power from powerful families. Well, <laughs> you know. But well, is I'm there sorry. anything? Any are there any fun or not fun? I shouldn't say fun. Fun's probably not the best word, but talkable. <laughs> slash tweetable moments i mean like you you know so go ahead uh, yeah sorry to interrupt you but um you know speaking of fun the cia came out with a report um saying that they concluded that russia was involved in hacking the u.s elections Mm -hmm. and so that's fun yeah that's that's fun (laughs) um it's it, it it just trips me out that like you know that's not that people aren't running around with their hair on fire right now mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like we this is like some sci-fi shit you know mm-hmm. I don't really know what to say about it. I part of it is that I just need to get more informed because one of the things mm-hmm. that I would love to know is what are the the regulations and the policies around mm-hmm. pre-inauguration impeachment. <laughs> yeah, no such thing. Is that possible? You can't be impeached unless you hold office. But pre-inauguration disqualification. Yes. Is it possible? Only oh, well, apparently you were talking about uh, uh, the Hamilton talking about the the electoral college, right? Yes, yes, that's right. And. You know, I've seen things going around on the media and, and on social media talking about the Electoral College and about the uh, papers that, you know, that were written about the, the purpose of the Electoral College to keep 
a person who was unfit for office, you know, from from obtaining that office, mm-hmm. basically to protect the integrity of the uh, government of the United States and to mm-hmm. also keep any foreign or, you know, external interests from being able to plant somebody who could raise, uh, you know, and, and assume power. And so mm-hmm. if that is the intention, then that means that there there could be constitutional or, you know, sort of um, intent in, in what was written into the Constitution um, to prevent somebody like Trump from uh, from obtaining office. And I think it's on the Electoral College, right? And right. so it, it would be really interesting to see where that goes. Yeah, there's um, actually an effort right now mm-hmm. with uh, different. Uh, is it in the uh, Senate or with the? Well, there's some there's some representatives who are um, suing uh, local, like basically states, in order to make sure that there aren't laws that make electoral college uh, delegates actually not be able to vote their conscience because that's against the constitution. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of like states where they're trying to make, they try to like designate where the electoral college is supposed to vote. Yeah. Um, and it's a weird, it's a weird thing because depending on which side you're on, I mean, I could have easily been on the other side of like, Oh no, what, which way is the right way? But it's, uh, you know, whatever, whatever we need to do to get rid of Trump. So I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I feel like that is a great segue into our mm. real talk mm. for this episode, which is focused on undocumented... Real talk. Real talk? <laughs> yeah. Ooh, ooh. I thought you were the one that said, you know, we couldn't introduce... That's what we've been doing that. Oh, have we? Okay. <laughs> My short-term memory is not the best. I apologize. You know. It's technically not short-term memory. <laughs> Long-term episodic coming in. It should have been crystallized. We did this like... Uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, Once again. The professor has something out. to say about, about how you just worded that. <laughs> Real talk. Real talk. <laughs> All right. So the folks... So I want to bring in our, our guests, um, given their amount of expertise, knowledge, and I think personal, professional, slash, you know, the intersection of experiences. Yeah. I really want to just give them, pass the mic to y'all and mm-hmm. help you, give you this platform to, you know, share your, share your perspectives with us. So, you know, one of our first kickoff questions, you know, really what has been your reaction to the impact of the presidential election? What are your sort of your personal reflections on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a couple of personal reflections and reactions. I think in, I can remember the moment when I was watching the elections and, um, you know, just realizing that it wasn't going to go the way that everybody expected. Mm-hmm. And um, the emotion that was sinking in for me in that moment was fear you know it was like oh shit you know what will happen now and uh, a very personal sense of fear because uh, my brother has DACA he's undocumented Mm -hmm. and so um, you know a a sense of fear for my family right and so I I reached out to them to Mm -hmm. to talk and to you know have a a a little bit of of support and uh, and many friends who are undocumented and who have DACA Mm -hmm. and you know who have they were activists at some point. They were students at some point, and they have moved on with their lives. And you mm-hmm. know, now they have families. Now they have babies. Now they have homes, mm-hmm. right? Um, and all of that could be threatened. And so, a very personal sense of fear. I think for me, uh, 
it was an eye-opening moment to, you know, for me to realize just how divided we are as a country mm-hmm. and as a people and how um, out of touch some of our communities are with each other, right? Mm-hmm. Like I am very out of touch with what's happening in the in the middle of, you know, in the midsection of the country mm-hmm. and what um, some folks who are different from me might be might be experiencing and what may have led them to make the decisions that they made. And so, um, yeah, for me, you know, it was uh, an eye-opener that we're, we're a divided country. Um, and, you know, how horrible that racism and xenophobia and, and all these things are now normal. Right? Mm-hmm. They're, not, they're not valid. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what does that say about who we are as a country and who we are, who we are as, a, as, a, as a world, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Similarly, I mean, I think I, you know, right away, I think throughout the election cycle and throughout the process, um, many of us became more aware, I think, gradually of all of these levels of hate that exist across our nation. And um, as Herman was mentioning, um, and I think that, you know, and I was still very afraid of who would eventually take office because of the symbolism of that. And because of the power of that, right? Mm-hmm. So we, I include myself, we did it. Uh, we elected uh, somebody who admitted to sexual assault. Um, you know, so just not just in, you know, what the impact on undocumented communities, but all the ways that, you know, the people that are going to be in the White House represent um, so many things that as a country, I think we had, we thought we had, you know, overcome, mm-hmm. that we had moved mm-hmm. past. So, um, you know, like many people just, feeling really called uh, to to examine what I thought was was in place um, and and called even more to action about it. Um, I think the other layer is that I and I would have mentioned this earlier, but um, I work with the undocumented student program at UC Berkeley um, and I provide mental health services for them. And I think, you know, those that are in education, those that are mental health providers in any way can can relate to having a very personal reaction, even though it's a a professional realm that Mm -hmm. it will impact. Right. So right away, I was thinking, you know, the community that I work with, that I serve, how is it going to impact them? And that really taking center stage of my initial reaction, Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, our professional lives are so take up so much of our world. And uh, and for many of us, um, you know, we're very passionate about them. And so um, it was definitely very heavy. And just thinking about what I need to do, um, what our universities need to do, what our communities need to be doing, what our educational system needs to be doing in order to really be advocates for those that um, are, you know, are feeling most affected right now. Absolutely. So y'all mentioned uh, a term, and I'm wondering if we can uh, define some of our acronyms a little bit more for those of us, for those listeners that may not be familiar with things such as DACA or AB 540, um, AB 540 being a little bit more um, exclusive to California. But um, can you all share a little bit about what those things mean and other sort of relevant legislation or terminology that could be helpful for our listeners to understand the context of which we're, we're having this conversation? Sure, sure. So AB 540 is something that California folks may have been, um, may be aware of and may be familiar with and may have 
ask themselves, wait, DACA, is that AB 540? Is that the same thing? Um, so AB 540 is California legislation. It's um, an assembly bill um, that was passed in 2001 um, that allows non-resident students to pay in-state tuition. And essentially, it allows a pathway for tuition equity for undocumented students that have spent most of their lives in California. And there's some different eligibility requirements, but um, it's important for people to know that that has not been affected through, you know, uh, the fear that's happening with losing DACA. Um, DACA, in turn, is an executive action that Obama put forth in 2012. Um, and it provides work authorization for undocumented folks, youth, to work legally and deportation relief. And again, there are other requirements to qualify for this. About 740,000 uh, were approved and are currently benefiting from DACA. Almost 2 million um, could qualify. Um, and so in order to qualify for DACA, you have to have been born on or after June 16, 1981, and arrived to the U.S. before the age of 16. You have to have lived in the U.S. since June uh, 15, 20, uh, 2007, at least 15 years old at the time, uh, currently in school or a graduate of high school or GED or a discharge veteran, um, and pass a, pass a background check. And so in, in hearing all of those <laughs> eligibility requirements, your, your mind probably sort of spun a little bit, which, you know, speaks to how rigid this criteria actually is mm. and, and as powerful as it's been. And, you know, Herman and I hope to talk a little bit about how important DACA is and, um, you know, how, how much we need to fight to hold on to some of the benefits of it. Mm -hmm. And it's important to know that it, DACA did not, um, DACA did not solve the problems for all undocumented mm -hmm. youth um, mm -hmm. and actually was exclusive and, and left a lot of people out of the equation. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, do you want to say a little bit more? I know Herman was, knows a lot about and was involved in some of the history of sort of DACA's creation with activism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I do want to say that, you know, the DACA program is not perfect, and it, like you said, it was intended as a temporary program, mm -hmm. and that there was a lot of fear in the in the undocumented community that you know now the federal government has their information, yeah. and and with that they can you know they can use that to not only target them but also their families, right? And so, um, in the wrong hands, this is this is this is awful, right? This is really dangerous information to have, and that uh, Trump has promised to end. And DACA into and um, many of the executive actions that President Obama took, and and I did want to say that um, DACA was an executive action by President Obama in 2012, um, and it, the credit really goes to the Dreamers, to the undocumented yes. activists who were out there, mm -hmm. uh, really pressuring the president to take mm -hmm. action. You know when um, Democrats and and I'll call everybody. Mm -hmm. I'll call them out from left and right. Yeah. Uh, when when Democrats took office in 2009 after the election, mm -hmm. you know, they had all branches, right? They had they yeah. had, you know, the legislative branch and they had the executive branch. So they could have they could have solved the immigration issue right away. Mm -hmm. um, and many people thought they would and they didn't. They didn't take action um, immediately. And um, and that led to the complication that we have now. Right. Mm. And um, in 2012, uh, undocumented activists were asking Congress to take action. You know, there was no action. The president wasn't taking action. And it wasn't until they were actually targeting his campaign offices uh, for his reelection bid that um, that we finally saw something come out of the White House. Mm. And so, mm. um, you know, not to speak uh, less of the president, but uh, really the credit goes to the undocumented students who 
figured figured out how to get uh, get something to happen. Um, and um, you know, it's, it's not a it's not a, a a finite solution, right? right. You know, yeah. we we do need to see something come out of Congress eventually. And so, to provide some context about the immigration legislative context, um, there was a Dream Act, which was first introduced in two thousand one, mm. and uh, it was introduced by Senator Durbin of Illinois, and it it. It was a, a, a law, a, a, a package that would provide a pathway to citizenship for 2.1 million undocumented immigrants, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, focusing on the youth. And uh, what happened is uh, it, there was actually support to have the DREAM Act uh, come to fruition. And what happened was 9-11. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the, the attacks in New York and, you know, mm -hmm. the, the fear that came out of that yeah. uh, really gave uh, then-President Bush and, and, and Congress um, freedom to pass legislation um, that, you know, wasn't necessarily pro-immigrant. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and, and that, you know, the, the fear that came from, you know, from, from those attacks uh, really halted um, anything related to immigration. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the DREAM Act uh, has been, you know, considered a few times in the... In, in about a decade, um, last time was in 2010, mm -hmm. and I was actually in Congress. Uh, I was actually in, you know, in the in the chamber when it was voted on. Um, mm -hmm. After it passed the House, uh, it failed by five votes yeah. in oh. the Senate, um, unfortunately. And there were some Democrats and Republicans who, who didn't vote for it. Um, so the Dream Act, you know, for all intents and purposes, is dead right now, right? Because it, it didn't it didn't happen in ten years. And there's also comprehensive immigration reform, uh, which was considered in 2006 and then again in 2013. And then last time that it was considered, uh, it passed in the Senate. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a comprehensive bill. There was bipartisan support. There was a, a group of senators called the, they named themselves the Gang of Eight. Mm -hmm. And they designed this bill that had uh, basically everything that both sides wanted out of an immigration bill. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't perfect, but it was, it was good enough. Um, and it passed overwhelmingly in the Senate, um, but the Republican-controlled House never took up the 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 bill uh, for a vote, and uh, and that's kind of where it died. And so now, what uh, both groups are considering is something called the Bridge Act, mm -hmm. and this is something that was introduced mm -hmm. on Friday, oh. and and it's a it's a bill that uh, would uh, basically provide congressional uh, protection to uh, people who have qualified for DACA. Yeah. Uh, and it would, it would, I believe it would give them uh, a work permit for three years. Right. Work permit, so it would extend their benefits for to be able to work with authorization and uh, continue their deportation reprieve um, that they already have. The, the really neat thing, too, is that it would also benefit those who have not yet applied, um, who meet eligibility, so that they could also be granted provisional uh, protection as well. Um, and it would also ensure that the um, information that um, youth gave the government for DACA or even for the new folks, um, for the for that information not to be used for immigration enforcement. Mm -hmm. um, I think part of the one of the things that's written in it is that um, specific information about where you know their home addresses will not be required and, and things like that. So um, something that could be quite impactful, you know, to those that have DACA and those that are eligible for it. Um, and, you know, just kind of to also throw a little 
to kind of name something in all of this is mm-hmm. that, you know, this act, you know, the Bridge Act, um, hopefully it, it, it does go forward. But even DACA itself was a reaction, right? It's a defensive, it's, it's a defensive protection that went into place um, when nothing else was working. Okay, well, at the very least, let's just have something that'll protect, um, you know, this small group of the population um, mm-hmm. that has achieved all these things that, you know, um, we're trying to support. Um, but it's not immigration reform. You know, the bottom line is it's not immigration reform Mm -hmm, and we mm -hmm. can't lose sight of that, I think, in in this whole process. Mm -hmm, You know, know, I'm I'm wondering if we can kind of circle back a little bit to when we talk about like the lack of safety and the lack of kind of uh, support that's occurred. Right. Um, When you were talking about your personal reactions and how as therapists, like you had to kind of deal with these communities and like work with them. I started to feel like you were, it sounded very similar to what you would hear if someone was talking about dealing with like a disaster situation, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I'm I'm wondering if maybe you can talk a little bit about just how people reacted, like how it was to Mm -hmm. kind of deal with communities that our election created a a place of such unsafety that it was like a disaster response. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, and I I can speak, um, you know, as a mental health provider um, and with the community that I serve, um, you know, as folks can imagine, specifically for those that have DACA, and I'll speak just to just to the DACA component, um, because everybody heard what Trump said before, you know, he got in in, uh, elected, Um, you know, a tremendous sense of loss really, because of the way that DACA has facilitated their current and future employment uh, possibilities. So DACA, you know, DACA, for one, has helped people, has helped young um, immigrants pay for college, pay for the, their rent. It's also allowed them opportunities to work and build their, and build their resumes, right? Build what, what most college students are told to do anyway, right? To start mm-hmm. to gain employment opportunities that are prepared for their future. Um, so there's that piece. And then there's the anxiety that comes from now that I don't have this option anymore, now that, now that I don't have, um, that I may not be able to work, what does that mean for everything that I've been preparing for? You know, so imagine yourself, your junior, senior year of college saying, oh, all of those things that you've been exploring as a possibility to do as soon as you graduate. Um, yeah, probably most of those, you know, may go away as opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a lot of fear, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, some students have told me that they feel as though the rug has been pulled from under them. That's right. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, the piece of, you know, the fear of deportation, which didn't start necessarily, you know, you know, on November 8th or 9th or whatever the day was after. Um, But it it really increased, right? A fear of deportation, their family safety, and especially for those with DACA who have handed over all their information to the federal government um, in order to get deportation reprieve. Um, You know, some college campuses have pledged support to protect students from immigration raids, et cetera. Um, And that's really great. You know, they're, they're sort of pledging sanctuary uh, status. Um, But it's important for people to understand that although sanctuary campuses are a really great first step and that it does impact emotional safety for um, undocumented college students, that they're ineffectual in protecting students' parents and siblings who are not Mm -hmm. on or Mm -hmm. near campus communities. Mm -hmm. Hasn't there been like different um, kind of... uh like different takes on whether sanctuary is like the right way of of going about this and like different organizations are taking different stances. I know like looking at some of the the paperwork, it seems like um, in my reading that there was a, it says 
under special circumstances is the only way that they would come on into a sanctuary space. But then there's not a good, uh, there's not very good language around what that special circumstances would be. Like, it seems like it's just another warrant. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what if we have people who are in power who use the, the, the legal system regularly, what would stop them from just getting that special warrant to get past any sanctuary issue? Right. Right. Yeah. 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 So even, even then, right. Even, even with putting this status forward, um, still, still doesn't create the safety that I think our students are really needing and looking for, especially given that a lot of their families don't necessarily live, uh, you know, on or near, um, where these sanctuary campuses or, or even cities are, you know, we have a lot of counties across Mm -hmm. the whole state of California, for example, um, who, you know, voted red. Yeah. Um, and don't necessarily feel that sense of safety. So it's it, that's very different from, you know, legislation from policy change that would simply prohibit immigration mm-hmm. um, ICE from being able to um, count on local law enforcement to mm-hmm. do their work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's what that's the scary part, right? That there's no, um, you know, even saying that you're a sanctuary city or a sanctuary sanctuary campus. It doesn't necessarily provide those protections. Um, And at the same time, I think that it it is so important for allies and for people in power to express their support. Right. Mm -hmm. So if 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 it's nothing more than symbolic, um, I think it it still has an impact in in the safety that our communities feel. Um, just the, you know, the, the assurance that, you know, the leader of your, of your university or, you know, the, the mayor of your city um, is supporting you and your community um, in whatever capacity they can, right, to the extent that they can. Um, something that uh, that I remind myself and that I keep reminding people that I talk to um, is that, you know, for me, uh, having lived in Arizona for a long time, mm-hmm. um I've been through many of the things that are being proposed and uh, it just reminds me of how resilient our communities are. Mm. And, um, you know, in Arizona, we had Proposition 300, which banned uh, institution for undocumented students. We had another proposition that banned any kind of public service to undocumented people. Mm -hmm. We had SB 1070 that was proposing to racially profile um, you know, Latinos and people who looked like they weren't white to mm-hmm. ask for immigration papers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and we've overcome those things, you know, through the struggle and through activism and by working with allies. Uh, we have overcome and, you know, now we have institution for DACA students. SB 1070 has been dismantled in the, cor- in the courts. Um, city of Phoenix, which is the main city in Arizona, has CDIDs for undocumented immigrants. And so it's uh, it's really scary that the nation is becoming what uh, what Arizona was. And at the same time, it reminds me of just how resilient we are Absolutely. and that I think we can overcome it. Yeah. yeah. And you you mentioned a really, um, I think, timely word around allies and what do allies need to know. And I hope that for folks that are listening, that we that, that our awareness, I think, to w- the experience of members uh, of immigrant communities, what they go through, whether they have documentation or not, just the overall compounded experience on the familial process, right? Being in mixed status families, mm-hmm. there's it's a it's very layered and it's very complicated. But if you just imagine what an ordinary what it takes for a quote quote unquote ordinary or normal student to make it through college, and then you mm-hmm. add um, going through the hoops and the loops 
um, right. paperwork of getting some sort of authorization, whether it's, you know, being that something such something to the status of DACA and that not even not even being um, a policy that will see them through their end of their college year, that halfway mm-hmm. through the middle of it, that they'll likely have to renew at some yeah. point or yeah. go through a situation again, um, find legal support, spend more yeah. money. And so I, I think just for the listeners, like mm-hmm. I know that you all have shared such like such profound knowledge around the, the technicalities and the pieces, but it like, I hope that people just hear that mm-hmm. the experience is just, not yeah. just different, but like you said, resilient because yeah. the mountain is that much taller mm-hmm. and higher mm-hmm. and steep and rigid and there's cliffs and all Absolutely. other sorts of things to deal with to navigate through. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even, you know, even before the election, Herman and I actually uh, facilitated a workshop for undocumented students on how to cope with racism, xenophobia, discrimination, because it, it was already present for them. The mm-hmm. fear and the worry about the future, given what was being espoused through every single media outlet, mm-hmm. difficulty sleeping, difficulty concentrating, um, decreased motivation on top of all of these other things, um, all of which, to be clear, uh, are psychologically normal reactions to racism mm-hmm. and xenophobia and feeling othered. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Those are things that are really, really important to understand and know. Right. Mm-hmm. So for our providers and allies, we're wondering if you can uh, provide a little bit of insights on uh, anything and any ways in which folks could really walk in allyship and, mm-hmm. and be in ally in terms of actions, uh, mm-hmm. not just in terms of communicating an identity that I mm-hmm. am in support. But how do you demonstrate mm-hmm. that support mm-hmm. in these various roles? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we have a couple of things that we'd like to share. Um, so this is actually an area where I'm doing some research in, some academic research, oh, awesome. and, and beginning to kind of talk about allyship for mm-hmm. undocumented uh, students and undocumented immigrants in general. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see allyship as having three sort of main components, and there's more to it, but this is where we are right now. Uh, first of all, the attitudes, so demonstrating empathy, Demonstrating um, low prejudice and, and low anxiety. So mm-hmm. the attitudes that you know that that come with you being an ally, the competency. Mm-hmm. So actually knowing the policies, actually knowing what the communities are struggling with, and then the self-efficacy, the confidence of um, um, being able to to make change mm-hmm. or being able to to provide a safe space for students. Um, and uh, I we think that ally training helps. Um, so there are programs like Dream Zone, which uh, comes out of Arizona, or Indocu Ally, um, that can actually help train um, mm-hmm. allies to you know people to to become allies of undocumented students. And we have have actually found that brief videos, uh, documentary videos like The Dream Is Now, which you can actually stream for free, um, can be as effective in uh, improving attitudes and building some of that allyship mm-hmm. uh, for people who are not undocumented. And so uh, some some things that, you know, people who are listening to can do if they're educators or clinicians. Um, number one, if you can facilitate positive contact between immigrants and members of mainstream culture. So if you have a classroom, if there's a way that you can facilitate, you know, that positive exchange between sort of mainstream white students and, and immigrant students, um, or if you, you're in a position of power where you can do that. And this comes from intergroup contact theory, right? And, um, and 
you know, really thinking uh, about the racism and the xenophobia as really factors of how our systems are set up and just how um, segregated we are mm -hmm. and how little contact mm -hmm. and there is with immigrants in, in cer certain parts of our country. So it's easier to be afraid of people who you don't know and who you don't have contact yeah. to. Right. So in any or, way that we can facilitate that. Yeah. And when the messages that we get are from the media about, you know, and the things that president-elect has said about immigrants and that when Mexico sends their people, they send yes. X, Y, and Z characteristics of, yeah. of persons. Mm -hmm, and that's how mm -hmm. he um, is blanketly describing an entire uh, group of folks. And yeah, that, that has power. Those words have impact. Yes, yeah. yes. And, and along with that power, I just want to mention some numbers to, mm -hmm. to support what you, what you said in terms of the impact, right? So we think that you know, he's just talking about the undocumented immigrants, which are 11 million. Mm. Um, but I think the impact actually goes even further because there are 40 million immigrants in general, including those who have legal permanent residency or who have become naturalized citizens. Mm -hmm. Right. So those are all people who are in some in some way impacted by by this uh, prejudice as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, about 50 million Latinos in mm -hmm. the U.S. Right. So we're talking about massive um, you know, mm -hmm. uh, numbers of communities who are impacted by this really negative rhetoric yeah. um, and their friends, right? And, and the people that they work with. Right. Yeah. So you would say like over 55 million. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're uh, running out of time, but um, I'm wondering if we have one last question that we like to ask. And I'm wondering if you can kind of try to answer it like in like one or two sentences, just like, um, in terms of the focus of, of naming it, it's about calling out the, the elephant in the room. And I'm wondering if both of you could kind of tell us if you could name some of the elephants in the room in terms of the work that you do. I don't know if this is, you know, as directly related um, to the day to day um, work that I do. But in general, you know, under the Obama administration, more than 2.5 million people were deported. And that's more than all the last 18 presidents combined. So let's not fool ourselves into thinking that um, this shift to Trump or whoever's going to be in office is drastically changing what immigrants have been, what undocumented immigrants, um, the kind of um, climate that they've been living in even before this change is you know, going to take place. That um, we and, and that basically we all need to this is why we need to shift away from just being you know, electoral politics oriented to really understanding what's going on in our communities and mobilize to to protect them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I think for me, um, and this is something that I was just talking about with my partner a couple of days ago, and, you know, she's white and she she's in this state of um, being really concerned that she's going to be perceived by other people as as a racist right, because of her identity as a white person. And um, what we were talking about is that, um, you know, racism exists and we just have to acknowledge it, you know? And I think that there are, um, and, you know, there are so many layers of immigration policy that are based on race, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so many groups in history have been targeted, right? The Chinese, the Japanese, the the Jews, the Italians, mm -hmm. right? There's always been a group that has been the other and there's been racism and there's been criminalization of that particular group. 
um, because we don't want them here, right? And right now it just happens to be the, the Latinos and majority uh, people from Mexico. Um, and I think, it, you know, if if there are any uh, people who identify as white who are listening, I think um, the sooner that we can acknowledge that racism simply exists, right? Mm -hmm. Because we exist in a system of laws and a, a system of organization that was designed by a certain group for a certain group. And that makes the system inherently, um, you know, uh, benefit that particular group. And so I think the the sooner that we can simply acknowledge that racism is there and that we all have implicit biases and that that impacts the way that we interact with communities um, and that, you know, there's nothing uh, inherently negative about having those biases, but uh, rather choosing what to do with those, what actions to take about those biases and and uh, and how you use your power to to. Uh, help or or further marginalized communities. Mm -hmm. um, I think the the sooner that we can get there, um, the better we'll all be, because we can't do this alone as undocumented people or as people of color. Uh, we really need the allies to be in it with us, and um, and yeah, we need your support. Yeah, thank you. And you know, when you talk about that, it also brings. I mean, just like to kind of uh, go along that line. Uh, our policy in the U.S. has always been a racist policy around immigration, and it always has yes. a color line with yes. it. So, mm -hmm. you know, the browner you are, the harder it is to get into this country. Um, yeah. And what we don't talk about a lot is the fact that, like, the policies towards Caribbean folk and from African folk, too, mm -hmm. it, it, it's really hard to get into this country if you're not coming from a very privileged space. That's right. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, I, I think that, you know, the... The focus of the rhetoric is on folks from Latin America, which mm -hmm. is unfair all by itself. Um, mm -hmm. But there's also invisible groups that are having who aren't able to access uh, immigration uh, that we don't bring into right. that mm -hmm. conversation either. And I think that like sometimes it's good to mention it. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Almost 600,000 um, undocumented black uh, folks in this country and who definitely are not on the face of, you know, the undocumented immigrants rights movement. So it's really important to know that it's a much more diverse group than just Latinos and Asian Pacific Islanders. Yeah. I want to thank you both. Like, we yeah. To thank you both for being here. This is a, it's been a, a cool, uh, cool episode. We got a lot of, I think, really useful information to folks. I think that people learned something today. Uh, I learned something today. Learn something? I, I definitely <laughs> learned something today. And for our listeners, if you learned something for, yeah. from today, and uh, it'll it might be informative for those that you work with, uh, those that you interact with, go ahead and forward this episode to them yeah. and, and let it be a tool and yeah. share it widely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we have a, a lot of different websites and, and places for people to just get more information, get more educated that we weren't able to get to. So um, we'll pass those along to Lamisha and Bedford and make sure that those are accessible to y'all as well. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. This was fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if you can bear with us, we have just a little bit more. We're going to do our self-care uh, tip of the week. You want to jump into that? Yeah, I hope folks like it. I usually run it past, you know. I read tea. it. I read it. Go All ahead. All right. So our, our self-care tip of the week is the power of movement. Ooh. Why aren't you moving? You usually be moving at the same time. I know, I usually be moving, but I gotta I have to read. Okay, so let me okay, the power of movement and I'll I'm gonna do I'm gonna do Oh, they're both right moving. They're gonna yeah. they're doing oh, wow. Bedford's doing a Lamisha. Yeah. 
All right. So dance or movement therapy is a modality of mind-body medicine. Dr. Sharon Goodell, author of An Introduction to Medical Dance and Movement Therapy, bases the scientific underpinnings of dance and movement therapy on a two-way relations between the nervous and immune systems and the reciprocal nature of the mind-body connection. All that means to say is that when you dance and you move, you can undo and reconnect different aspects of your body back together to promote a wider range of healing. So dance and movement is connected to stress reduction, among other things. And not that y'all ever needed permission or an excuse to get down in the way that y'all get down. Um, But if it gives you this extra incentive to put on your favorite dance track, jump around in your office or in your kitchen, go ahead and do your thing. Go ahead. Yeah. So is there like different dance moves? Can we like track that to different things? So like, you know, the running man or the 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 Roger Rabbit or that would the, be that would be a great study to see like which style of dance moves are associated like from like a biofeedback thing, like of like ooh, uh yeah. not just mm. yeah, like what like where you're getting the most bang for your for your for your for your dance moves. Yeah, like roll the boat. Roll the boat and wine. <laughs> I'm just saying, like you know, when I get out, when when the reggae comes on, okay, that's, 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 that's your stuff. So it's probably gonna be activating something. You, you know, know what? I'm sure there's got to be a study on it, okay. right? So we can help out some folks who might still be out there trying to do the lawnmower, the lawnmower, or like that's the, not a dance move, or the what's the other one? The the sprinkler, the sprinkler, the sprinkler, yeah, the lawnmower. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not. It's, it's just, just it's the sprinkler. I was just thinking of outdoor. See, it, like you know, it, so what people might not know is that. Like my first, my undergrad degree was in anthropology, and we had to watch this video about movements based on indigenous folks. And apparently, like in Europe, the the movements were all horizontal versus like oh. um, the oh, like they, they so move much. side to side versus like if you're in like other indigenous spaces, the movements are 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 more like vertical and and forward, forward motion. So basically, I mean, like it's swaying your hips versus twerking, basically. And so like. I'm just saying, I would think the happiness that comes from the being able to move your hips in a different way. I mean, Shakira yeah. was talking about it, right? Yes. I'm just saying. She, <laughs> Shakira, she yeah, Shakira, Shakira, she branded that. Yeah, you got it. But I'm sure, I'm sure brown folks did it first. No, Shakira's brown, brown too. But I, I mean, what I'm trying to say is that in terms of she like got that the, from the brown side, I know, yo. but the capitalization of <laughs> and, the, and the appropriation. That's that African. That's that Afro. Y'all know what I'm trying to say. Anyway, get out there. Saying, we brought them drums, homie. And shake. And they come from Spain. Wait, we got we we got the explicit verses, so I can so I can do huh? I can do a shake ass. Yeah. Watch yourself. Come oh, on. we don't have explicit for this episode. We don't. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Go uh, shake just your ass. Doctor Hill just got all crestfallen. I was like, "Oh, you're gonna have to edit that out." Oh, okay, all right. Shake some, move some, y'all, and have a wonderful holiday season. Yeah, whether you're talking about fasting, whether you're talking about lighting candles, whether you're talking about trimming trees, or if you're just talking about like getting some time off and not getting engaged with any of this stuff, or if you're going to do some shopping therapy, because some people like that, too. Um, so, yeah, like we're not going to we're, we're, we're non-denominational, even though Lamisha be trying to throw out her uh, anyway. Um, so you can you can you can celebrate this any way you want. So, wow, you evangelistic and stuff. <laughs> trying to uh, missionize. Uh, like, I'm yeah, it's, it's a form of, of what? Ministry? No. Fellowship? We are, we are, spreading the word. No, we're no. spreading. We're spreading the word of conscious 
consciousness, not wokeness, y'all. Consciousness. All right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, for details on topics mentioned in this episode, check out our website, namingitpodcast.com, and be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Naming It Podcast. That's right. And uh, I don't know what I'm supposed to say next, so I'm just going to We jump always into... say the same thing. I know, I got, you I should got know this by out. now. The memory should be crystallized. Oh, oh yes, it is. Actually, no, I read it off of the thing all the time. I didn't say anything about memory. You're trying to throw my words back at me, Bandcamp. Um, so if you want to hear, if you if you want to leave a review or if you want to discuss uh, specific topics or send us a message or a tweet, uh, we'll try to incorporate it. I was thinking about, and I haven't, we haven't run this, but like maybe we can make a decision. You can tell me what you think about this. I was listening to another podcast, Code Switch. I'll, give, I'll, I'll go ahead and give them props on this. But they're doing this thing where they do voicemails. Oh. And they have people call in and leave voicemails, and it's like they—they, they, it's a way to bring a call-in voice. Do you want to start maybe doing that? We can get a little Google mm. voicemail. Yeah, yeah, a little Google voicemail. Little Google, yeah, we I might do that. So, like, saying. keep an eye out. We might, we might try to. We biting off a of code switch. It's all good, but you know they're gonna be fine. They're NPR. They got all kinds of support. <laughs> yeah, you know? so. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but in the meantime, you can go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Lamisha Hill. Yep, or you can look for me on Twitter at drbf palmer. And can we? Are, are y'all y'all got any social media swag on? that you want to throw on? Yeah, I'm, I'm on Facebook. Um, I'm not on Twitter. I and I'm glad you know, I'm, I'm boycotting Twitter. Oh yeah, um, cool. you, you can. You can, um, you know, you can just send messages to Lamisha and she'll pass them on to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Look, look, look at our friends over here keeping low internet footprints. <laughs> that's, that's a counselor psychology thing. We're, we're all, we're, we'll bring it in. We'll yeah. bring it in. There's a way to do it. Push it back. It's that yeah. special page. Yeah. All right. Um, and all as always, a special shout out to Music on Naming It, generously provided by Lee Ingrid Jr., the soul violinist Social media at Lee Yeah, that's it. Keep naming it. Beef.